Americans are taught that Columbus discovered North America in 1492, but there were Europeans here centuries before him. Well, at least they were up here in Canada. There's only one known authentic settlement by these people in mainland North America, although that hasn't stopped people from wanting there to be more. So the number of fake sites and artifacts is ridiculous. My name is Laura Taylor, and with me is my lovely co-host, Andrew Hook. Oh, stop. And welcome to Digging Deeper with the Ancients. Yep, this episode is about the Vikings' arrival in North America which happened long before any other Europeans. I'll also add a reminder that the term Viking is actually a verb, not the name of a group of people. To go a Viking actually meant to raid and pillage farms and settlements, which the ancient Norse people did a lot. In spite of the actual meaning of Viking, I will likely go back and forth between calling the group of people who traveled to Greenland and then later to Canada Vikings or Norse, because in pop culture we know them as Vikings, and I didn't even learn the real meaning of the term Viking until doing our season one podcast on Norse mythology versus the MCU. This episode is a very special one for me, as it was a topic suggested by my mother who encouraged me in every step of making this podcast. Unfortunately, I lost her unexpectedly a few months ago, before I was able to complete this episode. The Norse exploration of North America began in the late 10th century, when Norsemen explored areas of the North Atlantic, colonizing Greenland and creating a short-term settlement near the northern tip of Newfoundland, Canada. This settlement is known today as Lanceau Meadows. I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's... I'm not... It's something that we do. And it, it's a French-Canadian term, and I'm not French-Canadian, so yeah. Lanceau Meadows has the remains of buildings that were found in 1960 and have been dated to 1021 A.D. The Norse settlements on Greenland lasted for almost 500 years. Lanceau Meadows, the only confirmed Norse site in all of Canada and the United States, was small and did not last long. Norse voyages are likely to have occurred for some time beyond the date of this settlement, but there is no evidence of it. In fact, there is no evidence of any Norse settlement on mainland North America lasting beyond the 11th century. The Norse exploration of North America has been subject to numerous controversies concerning the European exploration and settlement of North America. Pseudoscientific and pseudo-historical theories have emerged since the public acknowledgement of these Norse expeditions and settlements. So first, how do we know? How do we know about this? How do we know the Norse? came here. Well, obviously, it was written in many, many books over centuries ago, and it just got passed down, right? You might be surprised. You're joking, completely joking about that. Well, I'm joking about that in Canada. You're, you're joking about that, but there is there is some written evidence. But for Canada itself, it's mostly archeo archaeological evidence. Although, I'll, I'll get into this in a bit, but We've managed to translate into what are pretty sure means different areas in northern Canada from ancient Icelandic sagas. First, Canada. Because there's Canada and Greenland, right? Mm, yeah. So. All of my research, by the way, is just Canada. Okay. Because, well. We're Canadian. Yeah. And we don't think of Greenland as being... In North America, because it's owned because by a country in Europe. Politically, it's European. Yes, but geographically, it's North America. Correct. And I didn't even that didn't even occur to me when I started Neither the research. 
Evidence of the Norse west of Greenland came in the 1960s when archaeologist Anne Stein Ingsted and her husband were told of ruined buildings in the area and decided to investigate. The discovery of Los O Meadows was the result of a long and systematic search. The Ingsteds based their geographical calculations on the sailing times and directions given in the Icelandic sagas, which I'll talk about in a bit, and on a map of the North Atlantic drawn by Sigurdar Stefansson in 1590. Archaeological work by the Ingsteds took place during the summers from 1961 to 64, 66 to 68, and then by Parks Canada from 1973 to 76. I thought that was kind of interesting. The Parks Canada helped with him with the archaeology work. The couple excavated the site at Lanceau Meadows in Newfoundland and discovered it to be Norse. The excavation revealed the remains of eight sod and timber buildings on a narrow terrace about 100 meters in from the shore. They include living spaces, workshops, and a forge used to craft iron tools. They found a bronze ring-headed pin, like those the Norse used to fasten their cloaks, inside the cooking pit of one of the larger dwellings. A stone oil lamp and a small spindle whorl used as the flywheel of a handheld spindle were found inside another building. A fragment of a bone needle believed to have been used for knitting was discovered in the fire pit of a third dwelling. A small decorated brass fragment was also discovered. There was also a lot of slag found at the site, which forms as a byproduct from the smelting and working of iron, along with many iron boat nails or rivets. In 2021, so not long ago, wood from Lasso Meadows was dated to exactly 1021 thus providing for the first time a certain date with regard to the Norse presence at the site. Using an atmospheric radiocarbon signal produced by a dated solar storm as a reference, so they knew exactly when this solar storm took place, Mm -hmm. they were able to pin the exact felling year of the tree to 1021. Such a solar storm as a huge blast of radiation from the sun that hits the earth was known to have taken place in the year 992. This enabled them to determine a much more accurate date than previous estimates for the camp of about 1000 AD. A Viking specialist says this evidence does not necessarily suggest Vikings were not in the area prior to 1000 AD, merely that it was active, people were living there, at that time they were whether it was the initial build of it whether it was renovations fixing stuff who knows people were there felling trees at that time archaeologists interpret this as one stage of the occupation activity not necessarily the first or indeed the last lasso meadows camp was likely a base from which other locations, including regions further south, were explored. Settlements in continental North America aimed to exploit natural resources such as furs, and in particular, lumber, which was in short supply in Greenland. It is unclear why the short-term settlements did not become permanent, though it was likely in part because of hostile relations with the indigenous peoples, referred to in the sagas. Nevertheless, it appears that sporadic voyages for forages, timber, and trade with the locals could have lasted as long as 400 years. In 2012, Canadian researchers identified possible signs of a Norse outpost in Nanook at Tanfield Valley on Baffin Island. Again, this is Canada. (laughs) Northern Canada. As well as on Nunavik, Willows Island, and Avayalik. Unusual fabric cordage found on Baffin Island in the 1980s and stored at the Canadian Museum of Civilization was identified in 1999 as possibly of Norse manufacture. That discovery led to more comprehensive exploration 
of the Tanfield Valley Archaeological Site for points of contact between Norse Greenlanders and the indigenous Dorset people. Unfortunately, this excavation is on hiatus and the evidence at the site has not been authenticated, so the Lonzo Meadows site remains the only confirmed Norse site in North America, outside of those found in Greenland. So, that's kind of sad. It's been on hold for 11 years. Mm-hmm. As far as Greenland goes, there's a lot more archaeology evidence. <laughs> well, they were probably there for a longer amount of time. Well, they were there for at least 500 years. Yeah. The Norse settled Greenland earlier and were there much longer than they were in Canada. They established two outposts in Greenland, one along the fjords of the southwest coast, known historically as the Eastern Settlement. Yes, on the southwest coast. (laughs) Eastern Settlement, that makes sense. Where the city of Gardar is located. And a smaller colony about 240 miles north called the Western Settlement. Both of these sites were occupied year-round for long periods of time, hundreds of years. And I'll discuss them a bit more after I go into the folklore. But, like I said, we are, we are focusing more on Canada. And, in general, political North America, not just geographical North America. Correct. If that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So, as I mentioned earlier, the second way we know of the Norse in North America is through literature. You were joking about it, but it's true. Obviously not through Canadian literature that was passed down, because, well, as Canadians, we know there's not really much at all, if anything, written down from ancient times. Most uh, aboriginals groups was all oral traditions. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of written books. Yeah. But the descendants of the Vikings left sagas, which are beautiful works of literature in which fact and fiction are often poetically intermixed. So it's very similar to other cultures we've talked about, from the Chinese to the Greeks and the Egyptians. like And the Americans. <laughs> I'm talking about ancient. Well, I'm just talking about fact with fiction. Ah, ancient, ancient <laughs> writings. I'm talking about ancient texts. Things that are written hundreds of years after the fact, and so nobody knows the exact details, so they fudge them a bit. The primary sagas written in the 13th and 14th century are Eirik, which I'm thinking is probably Eric as we know him, Eirik the Red Saga and Saga of the Greenlanders. For centuries, it remained unclear whether the Icelandic stories represented real voyages by the Norse to North America, or merely fictional tales like the fiction we have today. Were they ancient Star Trek or Doctor Who? Or were they real tales made more exciting by storytellers such as movies like Argo, Zodiac, Dunkirk, and so many more? Why not both? (laughs) The sagas didn't gain widespread attention until the 1800s, when a Danish antiquarian revived the idea of a Viking presence in North America. North America, by the name Winland, first appeared in written sources in approximately 1075. Norse sites in North America were also depicted in a document written by an Icelandic schoolteacher in 1570 called the Skahold Map. The original map has been lost for some time, but numerous replicas exist. Although the map was created using information from the sagas, so it really isn't a separate source as far as I'm concerned. The sagas themselves. (laughs) According to Icelandic sagas, the Norse started to explore lands to the west of Greenland only a few years after the Greenland settlements were established. So they got to Greenland and they immediately took off. off wandering. The sagas describe Greenland and Vinland, which is the area west of Greenland, composed of three separate areas. The three areas that make up Vinland are Heluland, which is Baffin Island, part of Canada, for those of you who don't know. Um, And it means land of the flat stones, which makes sense. There's not really anything up there. 
Markland, which is which is Labrador, part of the prov- the province of Newfoundland. Often, yeah, Canadians often think of them as separate. There's Newfoundland and Labrador, which make up. Yeah, it's it's c- Canadian. Google it. Canadian geography is a little confusing in that sense. <laughs> and that means the land of forests, which was definitely of interest to settlers in Greenland where there were very few trees. And then the third was Vinland, which is Newfoundland. The land of wine is the descriptor for it. Having Being a Canadian who's never traveled to Newfoundland, I and, and can't as far, say. as far as I know, they don't make wine in Newfoundland. As far as I know, I could be wrong, uh, but they're not known for their wineries. But then again, a lot has changed over the last thousand years. True, but I don't see them growing grapes on rocks. <laughs> but you're also comparing it to Greenland and Baffin Island. True. So True. that may have been it, substantial. There would be some more grass at least. It would have been a lot more impressive. Mm. <laughs> So the story goes, in 985, a merchant captain named Bjarni Hergilfsson was blown off course on his way from Norway to Iceland, and after three days sailing, he sighted land to the west. Bjarni regularly sailed from his home in Norway to visit his parents in Iceland, so he wasn't interested in new land, merely visiting his parents. After returning to Norway, he described his findings to Leif Erikson, who was, as you may know, very interested in finding new land. Leif Erikson, son of Eric the Red, who was first to colonize Greenland, came from a long line of explorers and murderers, as you'll see. Leif's ancestors had discovered Iceland and later settled there after his grandfather was banished from Norway for murder. Leif's father, Eric, was then banished from Iceland for murder, leading him to settle the strange and difficult land called Greenland, at the extent of the Norse world. You can imagine that stories of a new land to discover further west must have fascinated Leif, and seemed his family duty to explore it. But it was an accident that led Leif to the new world. According to the saga of Eric the Red, or Eirik the Red, Leif saw Vinland for the first time when he was blown off course on a royal mission to introduce Christianity to Greenland. He rescued two Norse shipwrecked sailors and returned to Greenland. Getting so close to the New World only inspired him more, so he then set out to retrace Bjarni's voyage, which would lead to his legendary expedition. First he visited Baffin Island then continued south to Labrador, and finally Newfoundland, which had a mild climate, plentiful fish, and was covered in grapevines. So he chose to form a small settlement there, roughly 15 years after Bjarni's voyage. So ancient Newfoundland was a much more hospitable place than what we've heard of it. Well, and it's it's, it's much more hospitable now. The people there are amazing. So you'll diss the Americans and suck up to the Newfies? Yeah, they'll kick my ass. (laughs) I mean, they're lovely people. There's a lot of them in our province as well, because they... Newfoundland Mm. today is not known for having a lot of jobs. Unless you fish. Yes, it mostly has fisheries. So they come to Alberta to work. Leaf spent a short bit of time here. And the tales vary between a few months and two years. Before sailing back to Greenland to assume his familial duties with a cargo of grapes and timber. A couple years later, Leif's brother Thorvald Eriksson sailed with a crew of 30 men to Newfoundland and spent the winter at Leif's camp. In the spring, he attacked a small group of native people sleeping under their skin-covered canoes. One person escaped, only to return later with a larger group to fight the Norse. Thorvald was killed, and although brief hostilities ensued, the Norse explorers stayed another winter and left the following spring. Subsequently, another of Leif's brothers, 
planned on sailing to the New World to retrieve his brother's body, but he died before leaving Greenland. A few years later, after a particularly brutal Greenland winter, Thorfinn a few years later, after a particularly brutal Greenland winter, Thorfinn Karlsefni supplied three ships with livestock and 160 men and women, although another source puts the number of settlers at 250, and headed south with plans of forming a permanent settlement in Vinland. Upon reaching Newfoundland, he built a settlement, and although we don't know where it was, it is believed to be Lonzo Meadows. According to the sagas, relations with the natives were peaceful, at least for a time. The two sides bartered with furs and squirrel skins. <laughs> that just sounds funny. I'm used to Canadian history being um, beaver pelts. Yeah, in exchange for milk and red cloth, which the natives tied around their heads as a sort of headdress. Thorfinn and his wife Gudrid had a child named Snorri, who was the first European to be born in the New World. As incredible as it may seem, at least portions of the story are true, because Snorri is a true historic figure. Many Icelandic people can trace their family roots to him. In fact, people with Icelandic heritage are offered the chance for a free trip to Iceland to explore their history in what is called the Snorri Programme. If you look it up online, it actually exists. And if you can prove your ancestry, you're related to Snorri, you can get a free trip to Iceland. That's neat. So, back mm. to the... I, I, I'm definitely not. No. I, I'm more British than most British people. No, we, we both did our... Answer, we did our DNA tests, ancestry. Yeah. I'm not Icelandic. I have the blonde hair and blue eyes, <laughs> but I'm not Icelandic. Anyways... <laughs> After three years, the settlement felt they needed to leave after a battle with native people. Despite all they had created, they knew they'd be under constant threat from hostile relations with the locals. Interestingly, there is an Inuit account of an interaction with Vikings that seems remarkably similar. And Inuit are Aboriginal people, people in northern, that were in northern Canada at the time. Mm. So those are the main sagas. Now just a bit more on Vikings in Greenland. According to the sagas, Norsemen from Iceland first settled Greenland in the 980s. And there is no special reason to doubt the authority of the information that the sagas supply regarding the very beginning of the settlement, but they cannot be treated as primary evidence for the history of Norse Greenland. As I already explained. Eric the Red, having been banished from Iceland for manslaughter, explored the uninhabited southwestern coast of Greenland during the three years of his banishment. He made plans to entice settlers to the area, naming it Greenland, on the assumption that people would be more eager to go there because the land had a good name. Hence why Greenland, which is mostly ice, is named Greenland, and Iceland, which is much much more habitable. Yes, much more habitable is called Iceland. Cause hey, it's all about it's all about advertising, right? Yes. The inner reaches of one long fjord named Eric's Fjord, after him, was where he eventually established his estate Bratahild, where he issued tracts of land to his followers. Norse Greenland consisted of two settlements. The eastern was at the southwestern tip of Greenland, while the western settlement was about 500 kilometers up the west coast, inland from present-day New York. There was also a smaller settlement near the eastern settlement, which is sometimes considered a third middle settlement. The combined population was two to 3,000, with at least 400 farms having been identified by archaeologists. So, a lot more archaeological evidence there than there is in Canada. Well, there's been more time that they spent there. Yes, so exactly. And a lot, I mean, sounds like there's a lot more people, and it was permanent <clears throat> settlements, not yes. just temporaries. So, yeah. In 1126, the population requested a bishop. And in 1261, so like 140 years later... <laughs> 
They accepted the overlordship of the Norwegian king. They continued to have their own law and became almost completely politically independent after 1349, which is the time of the Black Death, um, the bubonic plague, which is the most fatal pandemic recorded in human history that caused 75 to 200 million deaths worldwide. Now, having just come out of the first world pandemic since the Spanish flu, yeah, in the early 1900s, this was so much worse. I mean, yeah, there's all sorts of reasons for it, but I won't go into that. Mm. Anyways, just explaining a bit of the history of the time. There is evidence of Norse trade with the natives of Greenland, and they would have encountered both early Native Americans related to the Algonquin and the Thule, which are the ancestors of the Inuit. Items such as comb fragments, pieces of iron cooking utensils and chisels, chess pieces, ship rivets, carpenter's planes, and oaken ship fragments used in Inuit boats have been found far beyond the traditional range of Norse colonization. A small ivory statue that appears to represent a European has also been found among the ruins of an Inuit community house. So they obviously did a lot of trading. Now the decline. From 985 to 1410, Greenland was in touch with the world, then silence. The settlements began to decline in the 14th century with the Western settlement abandoned around 1350. The last bishop, Edgardar, died in 1377, but it wasn't until 1492 that the Vatican noted that no news of the country at the end of the world had been received for 80 years. At this time, the church wanted a new bishop to go and restore Christianity, but they couldn't get anyone to go. <laughs> After a marriage was recorded in 1408, there are no written records mentioning the settlers. It is probable that the Eastern settlement was defunct by the late 15th century. The most recent radiocarbon date was found in Norse settlements as of 2002 was 1430. So several theories have been suggested to explain the decline, and they're very similar to a lot of the decline or extinction or various theories we've covered in multiple podcasts as to why civilizations cease to exist, mm. um, with one being the weather. For them, it was the Little Ice Age of this period. As the climate began to cool and humidity began to increase, this brought more storms, longer winters, and shorter springs, and affected the migratory patterns of the harp seal. Pasture space began to dwindle, and yields for the winter became much smaller. This, combined with regular herd culling, made it hard to maintain livestock, especially for the poorest of the Greenland Norse. Closer to the eastern settlement, temperatures remained stable, but a prolonged drought reduced production. In spring, the voyages to where migratory harp seals could be found became more dangerous due to more frequent storms, and the lower population of the harp seals meant that the hunts became less successful making subsistence hunting extremely difficult. Another reason was something, another thing we've talked about is people's unwillingness to change. So in addition to the weather changes, it seemed that the Norse were unwilling to integrate with the Thule people of Greenland, either through marriage or culture. There is evidence of contact as seen through the Thule archeological record, which includes ivory depictions of the Norse, as well as bronze and steel artifacts. However, there is essentially no material evidence of the Thule among Norse artifacts. In older research, it was posited that it was not climate change alone that led to the Norse decline, but also their unwillingness to adapt. For example, if the Norse had decided to focus their subsistence hunting on the ring seal, which could be hunted year-round, though individually instead of en masse, and decided to reduce or do away with their communal hunts, food would have been much less scarce during the winter season. Also, had the Norse individuals used skin instead of wool to produce their clothing, 
they would have been able to fare better nearer the coast and wouldn't have been as confined to the fjords. That surprised me, that the Vikings used, like, fiber and cloth instead of skins, because they were such a sea-going people. Because, like, Aboriginal North Americans are known for using hides and skins for everything. Mm -hmm. But that really surprised me that the Norse didn't. So that was the older research, but now more recent has shown that the Norse did try to adapt in their own ways. Some of these attempts included increased subsistence hunting. A significant number of bones of marine animals can be found at the settlements, suggesting increased hunting with the absence of farmed food. In addition, pollen records show that the Norse didn't always devastate the small forests and foliage as previously thought. Instead, the Norse ensured that overgrazed or overused sections were given time to regrow and move to other areas. Norse farmers also attempted to adapt. With the increased need for winter food and smaller pastures, they would self-fertilize their lands in an attempt to keep up with the new demand caused by the changing climate. However, even with these attempts, climate change was not the only thing putting pressure on the Greenland Norse. The economy was changing. And again, changing economics and trade and everything like that is another common reason for declining civilizations, as you'll notice these are all very common trends that we've talked about a lot. For the Norse, though, it was the strain on resources made trade difficult. And as time went on, Greenland exports lost value in the European market due to competing countries and the lack of interest in what was being traded. Trade in elephant ivory began competing with the trade in walrus tusks that provided income to Greenland. And there is evidence that walrus overhunting, particularly of the males with larger tusks, led to walrus population declines. Overall, current research suggests that the Norse were unable to maintain their settlements because of economic and climactic change happening at the same time. So, very similar to all the other civilizations we've covered that have disappeared or evolved over time. It's never one factor. It's always a combination, right? Yeah. It's that's uh, just Unless it's like a, an asteroid strike. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not knowing whether the old Norse civilization remained in Greenland a joint merchant clerical expedition led by a Norwegian missionary was sent to Greenland in 1721. So they lost contact in the 1400s, and this didn't happen until 1721. Though this expedition found no surviving Europeans, it marked the beginning of Denmark's reassertion of sovereignty over the island, which Denmark currently Still has. Still has. Because Canada actually shares a land border with Denmark. Yes. As of last summer. As of very recently. As of summer 2022. Yeah. Which we just learned about because it's very interesting. There's a small island between Baffin Island and Greenland that Canada and Denmark... Both claim. Both claim. <laughs> and so it was basically split... Just la just 2022. Yeah. And so we now have a land border with Denmark. Yes. Next, I'll go into the false Vikings and pseudo-history, because there is a lot of this. What? Yeah. Are so you saying some of the stuff that I found is not true? Uh, it, it's un... It, there's a very good chance it's not, considering <laughs> Lasso Meadows is the only confirmed... Sight. Okay. <laughs> Tell me Ghost Rider had nothing to do with... <laughs> Supposed runestones have been found all over North America. Most famously, the Kensington runestone, allegedly unearthed in 1898. Coincidentally, only a few decades after the idea of Norse in North America was revived in Europe. These are generally considered forgeries or misinterpretations of Native American petroglyphs. There are many claims of Norse colonization in New England, none well founded though. 
Although, in my opinion, there is a good chance that the Norse traveled there from the semi-permanent Newfoundland settlement. But since they didn't settle there, there's no solid evidence. Because, I mean, you think about New England isn't that far. No. And it for, especially yeah, it's, for people... It's closer to Newfoundland than I Greenland is to Newfoundland. Yeah, exactly. So. Especially for people who've traveled. <laughs> that have traveled from Norway originally. <laughs> Gordon Campbell's book, Norse America published in 2021, develops his thesis that the fleeting and ill-documented idea that Vikings discovered America quickly seduced Americans and Northern European Protestant descendants, some of whom went on to deliberately manufacture evidence to support it, which makes a lot of sense. For the longest time, my family thought we were related to the Norse and possibly Vikings and stuff, because most of us have just our physical traits. A lot of us have blonde hair, blue eyes, but... And just like my family for the longest time thought there was native in us, because we have permatans and yeah. really dark hair. And <laughs> but yeah, so, so that makes sense to me, that people would... I, I don't like the idea of manufacturing evidence, but it makes sense that they would do it. I find it especially interesting that most of the so-called discoveries are in the U.S. and are thought to have been deliberately falsified or historically baseless with the goal to promote a political agenda. Anyways, <laughs> some monuments claimed to be Norse include Stone Tower in Newport, Rhode Island, Viking Altar Rock, Spirit Pond Runestones, Hammer of Thor Monument, the Petroglyphs of Dighton Rock, Massachusetts, the Runes of Narragansett Runestone, and many, many more. Like the infamous Vikings of Minnesota. Yes. And all of these are fakes. Well, no, I'm pretty sure the Minnesota Vikings are a real NFL team. Yes, they are real NFL team, but... <laughs> I don't think there was actually any Vikings that settled in Minnesota. Well, not according to... Actual evidence. evidence. Yes, exactly. Not No written or um, archaeological evidence has ever shown that. 19th century writers such as Thomas Appleton and George Marsh seized upon such false notions of Viking history to promote white supremacy, as well as to oppose the Catholic Church. Such misuse of Viking history and imagery re-emerged in the 20th century among groups promoting white supremacy. Just very disturbing. During the mid-1960s, Yale University announced the acquisition of a map purportedly drawn around 1440 that showed Vinland and a legend concerning Norse voyages to the region. However, experts doubted the authenticity of the map based on linguistic and cartographic inconsistencies. Chemical analysis of the map's ink later shed further doubts on its authenticity. Scientific debate has continued until 2021 when the university finally acknowledged that the Vinland map is a forgery. So this is one of the top universities in the United States. And they bought a forgery. Archaeological findings in 2015 at Point Rosé on the southwest coast of Newfoundland were originally thought to reveal evidence of a turf wall and the roasting of bog iron ore, and therefore a possible 10th century Norse settlement in Canada. However, findings from the 2016 excavation suggest the turf wall and the roasted bog iron ore discovered in 2015, were the result of natural processes. The possible settlement was initially discovered through satellite imagery in 2014, and archaeologists excavated the area in 2015 and 2016. In November 2017, directors of the excavation wrote that they found no evidence whatsoever for either a Norse presence or human activity at Point Rosé, prior to the historic period, and that none of the team members, including the Norse specialists, deemed this area as having any traces of human activity. So, 
that's disappointing, but again, not surprising. Let's see. Canadians know to come forward and be like, no, it's not real. Now on to today, even though a lot of the stuff is very modern. As of the research of this episode, which would have been April 2023, Lasso Meadows, Newfoundland, Canada remains the only confirmed Norse archaeological site and settlement in North America outside of Greenland. It is also a UNESCO World Heritage Site with a replica village you can visit. Many archaeologists are hopeful that satellite imagery will assist them in discovering more sites even after the Point Rosé disappointment, and others are hoping excavations continue at the site on Baffin Island, although it was put on hiatus way back in 2012. And all I could find about that, the why it was put on hiatus, was because um, one of their lead researchers was forced out or left or anyways it was because of a single person so it's kind of disappointed that they haven't continued but it might be hard to get funding for things like that especially and depending on why that person was forced out it may have left a bad taste in people's mouths yeah that's true now on to my simpsons references this was really tricky so i just went there's i couldn't find anything regarding Norse or Vikings in North America. So I just went with Viking references in general. Not necessarily their arrival or stay in North America. But I thought it was better than nothing, right? Mm -hmm. In episode 5 of season 16, called Fat Man and the Little Boy. After losing his last baby tooth, Bart feels that he is too old for his toys, so he gives his toys a Viking funeral. In episode 5 of season 7, called Lisa the Vegetarian, Ralph makes a comment that sleep is where he's a Viking. (laughs) And in Simpsons The Tapped Out Game, Viking Boat Ride is an attraction released with the Krusty Land expansion. I know. Those are very bad references. Hey, it's not the first time you've had a stretch. Yeah, that's true. And it won't be the last. But but we've been playing a lot of Civ Six lately, and Leif Erikson is one of the great people you can get. I've played as Leif Erikson before. So my Simpsons references were bad, but there you go. Okay, so for the pop culture stuff, I found... One or two things about Vikings in North America. Starting off with the Vikings TV show. Okay. Which went from 2013 to 2020. Season 6, episode 18, which is the final season. The third last episode. It's called It's Only Magic. They finally arrive in North America. Okay. Yes. In Assassin's Creed Pirates, which is a mobile game that came out in 2013. Which is no longer available. Okay. Uh... The Lost Files, you find information about Vikings going west of Greenland for trade. Nice. And Age of Empires 2, The Age of Kings from 1999, is a Greenland campaign. Neat. Uh, Forge of Empires 2012, you play as Vikings, but not necessarily in North America. Marvel Comics, Thor number 300 from 1980. 1000 AD, Vikings landed in North America and declared it for Odin and the Asgardian gods. Sticking with Marvel Comics, I mentioned this one earlier, Ghost Rider, Volume 3, or Volume 6, Number 33, from 2009, The Spirit of Vengeance, Hellhawk, protected the shores of North America, leading warriors to fight against Viking marauders. Mm. Continuing with Marvel, Marvel Comics presents number 63, also from 1990, or sorry, from 1990. Verne travels to the New World and attacked a Norse colony in North America, turning the settlers into vampires. Okay. Yep. North American sports teams, the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, all of these teams I'm going to mention are called the Vikings. So, the Minnesota in the NFL, 
The University of Alberta Augustana campus in Camrose, the CCAA, the Canadian Collegiate Athletic Association, they are the Vikings. Okay. There's 11 different NCAA schools teams called the Vikings. That's the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Three different NAIA school teams, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. Six community colleges, 139 U.S. high schools. Jeez. <laughs> so there's a lot of sports teams that are uh, called the Vikings. GTA Vice City in 2002. On Vice City Radio, Vikings are talked about a lot. Huh. Yeah. The Settlers 4 from 2001. Vikings are a playable group. Uh, you mentioned... Uh, Leif Erikson. Leif Erikson in Civilization 6. Yes. But the Vikings are also playable. Yes. Group they're, they're, there. But you, you could, they're not called Vikings, and though. One of, the, one of the continents you could uh, settle in is North America. Well, and when you play as the Vikings... Um, in Civilization Six, well, okay, they're not called the Vikings. I believe they're Norway. You're playing yes. as, but their specialty is a Viking longship. Their special unit is a Viking longship. Yeah, so they're obviously the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. Halloween Horror Nights number twenty nine in Universal Studios, Undead Vikings in Central Park in Universal Studios, Florida. Oh, and here we go. Uh, Civilization one, two, three, four, and five. Beyond Earth, uh, Revolution. Revolution 2, Vinland's is a location in Civilizations yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. But it's probably one of the continents. Yes. Right? Like, Well, well yes. D&D, Vikings Campaign Sourcebook from 1992. Wow. Carmen Sandiego's Great Chase Through Time in 1989. One of the stops is in the 11th century in Vinland. DC, Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 9. Bebo, the God of War, in 2017. Planet called Vinland in Mass Effect, in, in Mass Effect Andromeda, in the Ericsson system. <laughs> the Vinland Club in 2020. Uh, these are movies now. Okay. Severed Ways, A Norse Discovery of North America, in 2007. Vikings, in 1998. That's a, that's a video game. <clears throat> Doctor Who, a book, a history of humankind. Many appearances of the Vikings in Doctor Who, but other than the book, none are in North America. Okay. Star Trek, the original series, season one, episode 24, Space Seed. Mention of Leif Erikson to int when they're introducing Khan. Okay. Uh, there's a few other mentions of Vikings. Uh, Klingons are loosely based on Vikings, especially Honor and their afterlife, Stovacor versus Ragnarok. And that's pretty much what I have. Oh, uh, I have another one. Okay. That new, newish, what is it, 2021 movie, The Norsemen, with Alexander Skarsgård. Um, I believe it's Greenland. It may be Iceland, but I believe it's Greenland that he eventually goes to when he's in his search for his mother, which... Maybe, yeah, but I, I did look at that, and I, it didn't say anything about... Yeah, well, he, I mean, he goes to a distant island yeah. and finds her, and it's very uninhabited, so I guess prob probably yeah. it, it, Greenland, could, but... It could be anything. It could be Hawaii. No. 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 It was a very <laughs> cold, desolate... Hey. There was no trees. Could be Hawaii. It's a very... It, okay, it could it, be Easter Island, <laughs> desolate, no trees. But there were trees way back. Uh, in one th yeah, 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 yeah. Because they yeah. happened mostly. Yeah, never mind. If you want to learn more about that, you can listen to our <laughs> Easter Island episode. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's about what we have. Uh, sorry for such a long delay between episodes. Uh, life happened. Yeah. A lot of things happened. The, the day we were going to record, uh, my mother passed away. So it was kind of like, uh, and I just haven't felt like doing much of anything for the last month and a half. So so here we are. We're back. And uh, hopefully we'll have one out within the next three months. <laughs> we uh, are planning on coming back regularly. Or at least semi-regularly. Yeah. And... Uh, 
If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at diggingdeeperwiththeancients at gmail.com or on Instagram and Facebook at diggingdeeperwiththeancients or on Twitter at diggingdeeppod. And please contact us. Please share the podcast. Uh, thank you all who have been listening, even when we haven't been putting anything out. It, it really it does help. So thank you very much. It also encourages us to get back at it if we've been on a bit of a break. Because <laughs> um, it can be hard if you don't have anybody listening. But yeah, it's we've also actually been getting people contacting us. I've got some good ideas of... For topics I'd, I had never heard of, which is the great thing about having an international audience, is you get to learn about so many different things that I wouldn't have never thought of. Yeah. So, yes. Please contact us and, keep, yeah. Keep giving us ideas. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs>